puzzled as to what to do with it, where to put it. In short, this weapon had, of a sudden, become a strange thing to him. He looked at it in a kind of stupefaction, as if he had been endowed with a trident, a scepter, or a spade. Finally, he tried to sheathe it. To sheathe the sword held by the left hand at the middle of the blade, and a scabbard hung at the left hip, is a feat worthy of a sawdust ring. This wounded officer engaged in a desperate struggle with a sword and the wobbling scabbard, and during the time of it he breathed like a wrestler. But at this instant the men, the spectators, awoke from their stone-like poses and crowded forward sympathetically. The orderly sergeant took the sword and tenderly placed it in the scabbard. At the time he leaned nervously backward and did not allow even his fingers to brush the body of the lieutenant. A wound gives strange dignity to him who bears it. Well, men shy from this new and terrible majesty. It is as if the wounded man's hand is upon the curtain which hangs before the revelations of all existence, the meaning of ants, potents, wars, cities, sunshine, snow, a feather drop from a bird's wing. And the power of it sheds radiance upon a bloody form and makes the other man understand sometimes that they are little. His comrades look at him with large eyes thoughtfully. Moreover, they fear vaguely that the weight of a finger upon him might send him headlong and precipitate the tragedy, hurl him at once into the dim, gray unknown. And so the orderly sergeant, while sheathing the sword, leaned nervously backward. There were others who pro-offered assistance. One timidly presented his shoulder and asked the lieutenant if he cared to lean upon it, but the latter waved him away mournfully. He wore the look of one who knows he is the victim of a terrible disease and understands his helplessness. He again stared over the breastwork at the forest and then turning went slowly rearward. He held his right wrist tenderly in his left hand as if the wounded arm was made of very brittle glass. And the men in silence stared at the wood, then at the departing lieutenant, then at the wood, then at the lieutenant. As the wounded officer passed from the line of battle, he was enabled to see many things which, as a participant in the fight, were unknown to him. He saw a general on a black horse gazing over the lines of blue infantry at the green woods, which veiled his problems. An aide galloped furiously, dragged his horse suddenly to a halt, saluted, and presented a paper. It was, for a wonder, precisely like an historical painting. To the rear of the general and his staff, a group composed of a bugler, two or three orderlies, and the bearer of the corps standard, all upon maniacal horses, were working like slaves to hold their ground, preserve their respectful interval, while the shells boomed in the air above them and caused their charges to make furious, quivering leaps. A battery a tumultuous and shining mass was swirling toward the right. The wild thud of hoofs, the cries of the riders shouting blame and praise, menace and encouragement, and last, the roar of the wheels, the slant of the glistening guns, brought the lieutenant to an instant pause. The battery swept in curves that stirred the heart. It made halts as dramatic as the crash of a wave on the rocks, and when it fled onward, this aggregation of wheels levers, motors, had a beautiful unity, as if it were a missile. The sound of it was a war chorus that reached into the depths of a man's emotions. The lieutenant, still holding his arm as if it were glass, 
stood watching this battery until all detail of it was lost, save the figures of the riders who rose and fell and waved lashes over the black mass. Later, he turned his eyes towards the battle, where the shooting sometimes crackled like bushfires, sometimes sputtered with exasperating irregularity, and sometimes reverberated like thunder. He saw the smoke rolling upward and saw crowds of men who ran and cheered or stood and blazed away at the inscrutable distance. He came upon some stragglers and they told him how to find the field hospital. They described its exact location. In fact, these men, no longer having part in the battle, knew more of it than others. They took the performance of every corps, every division, the opinion of every general. The lieutenant, carrying his wounded arm rearward, looked upon them with wonder. At the roadside, a brigade was making coffee and buzzing with talk like a girl's boarding school.